From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Friday, October 2nd, 2020. On Fridays, Alicia Bales talks with Mendocino County's public health officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, about the county's response to the pandemic and listeners call in with their questions. She was walking in the street, looked up and noticed he was nameless, he was homeless. She asked him his name and told him what hers was. He gave her a story about life with a glint in his eye and a corner of a smile. One conversation, a simple moment, the things that change us. If we notice when we look up sometimes. They said I would never make it, but I was built to break the mold. The only dream. Chasing is my own So I sing a song for the hustlers Trading at the bus stop Single mothers waiting on a check to come Young teachers, student doctors Sons on the front line Knowing they don't get to run This goes up to the underdog Keep on keeping at what you love You'll find that someday, soon enough You will All right, and good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales, and it's our local coronavirus update here on KZYX. And on Fridays, we do that with Dr. Andy Corin, our public health officer here in Mendocino County. Welcome back, Dr. Corin. Hi. Hey, great to hear you. So, and Becky Emery is also here with us, the uh, Department Operations Center Manager for Mendocino County. And she will be answering sort of more of the technical numbery questions that, that come up. Uh, and we are also inviting you to participate in this conversation. 707-895-2448 is the studio number. And let's just start by talking about the numbers, Dr. Corin. Um, I know you just gave a, a briefing, and Becky, uh, I know you just gave a briefing where you talked about this, but can you run down the local uh, coronavirus numbers for us uh, just to get us started? Yeah, so uh, as of yesterday, the total number of cases in Mendocino County has been nine, has come to 971, uh, of which 612 were from the Latinx community. That is 63% of our cases. In quarantine are 241 people, isolation 115 people. We have nine people hospitalized, uh, six in Mendocino, three out of county. Uh, three of them are in the Latinx community. Uh, one of those is also a uh, Native American. We have one person in the ICU here in uh, Upaya, and that is a Latinx person as well. We did have another death this week. Uh, a young man um, who has been over at UC Davis uh, for over a month suffering with respiratory, kidney, and heart problems. Uh, and we mourn his passing. He was 51 years old. So this is a a very young member of our community. Our seven-day average, seven-day lag case rate uh, is now 12.86. Since it's over seven, it puts us well into the purple or widespread tier, according to the governor's um, safe opening plan. That means we're still in the most restricted area, It also is very surprising because it's more than doubled in the last two weeks. So that's a huge number, and we're going to have to get around it. 
those are the numbers I'll give you, and then let's go from there. All right, yeah, and that the the last thing that you just said that our uh, that our daily case average has doubled in the last two weeks. The other thing that's the that's higher than I think it's ever been is the number of active cases in the county. Is that right? We're we're kind of topping out here at 115. Yeah. So these are um, unsettling indicators for Mendocino County. It seems like they are. You, so I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think, you know, we saw a rise after Labor Day. It was just before and the week after Labor Day that we were nice in the red. And we were hoping to go another, you know, five, six days and open up. Uh, but that's not what happened. Um, so over the next few days came the Labor Day surge. And we also had the outbreaks uh, in Ken Fowler, which involved 21 cases. And we've had this week uh, uh, another two outbreaks, one uh, in Covalo and one in, um, in um, Point Arena. Uh, the one in Covalo spurred us to find two other industrial outbreaks. So it's actually been uh, four outbreaks in the last week that we've uncovered. Okay, so in Covalo, that outbreak involves uh, two workplace situations okay so you know part of the process as we find an outbreak is what we call case investigation and contact tracing and so through that we can find other areas where there are two three depends upon what area we name it an outbreak uh when they're linked epidemiologically we say this is an outbreak we could have two people or even three people who have an illness somewhere but they're not connected by time or space there's not a way or people traveling between them, that they're epidemiologically related. But when they are epidemiologically related, then we name that uh, an outbreak. And so the Covalo outbreak turned us on to two other outbreaks. It's bad to find more outbreaks, but it's good because that's the way we can wrap ourselves around it. And that's what the contact tracers and the contact investigators uh, do. That's what they're excellent at. And I'd like to just, you know, put a shout out uh, to the listeners. Um, The um, Round Valley Clinic uh, contact tracing, contact investigations um, involved 90 people, 30 households, and they had 100% compliance. Um, That means that when they called people, they were forthright, they answered, they said who they contacted, where they worked, and that sort of thing. Um, and this is the kind of response that we need. All these responses are confidential. In fact, we keep them confidential when somebody is called up. Let's say you were found to be positive, and I was in the same studio, and somebody f- talks to you because we get your your information from the, uh, you know, we get an information from a, a positive lab. They might call me and say, we have information that you may have been in contact but they're not going to name you. So it's very confidential. And we're trying to do it that way and in the way that's most sensitive to people. I don't think people want to be labeled. I don't think they want to necessarily be connected to everybody. And they may not know everybody. They may have been, you know, at a, at a business where they were buying something and one or two of the employees was there and, and had, you know, had been positive. So we want to keep it confidential, but we need people to tell us what's going on when they're called. It's not the state. It's not like trying to be invasive. It's not uh, we're going to have no effect in terms of immigration status or things like that. 
This is a very important community effort. And I just want to, you know, call out the people who are doing this at Round Valley because they did an incredible job. They've been up, you know, for many days uh, and need a rest. And we're going to try and give them that rest from uh, from the local health department this weekend. But yeah, but well, and Covalo has been under an evacuation warning for, well, uh, they've had impending evacuation warnings for weeks now because of the August complex. So they are amazing. Yeah, they are. That's just remarkable. Um, but the, but con- contrast that. I think there's a contrast that you're trying to underscore here with what's happening in Point Arena, where um, you may not have had the same sort of what you called compliance, or there's some serious trust issues happening in the community of Point Arena. Is the sense that I got during the briefing? Can you can you talk more about the the obstacles or the struggles that you're having with contact tracing in Point Arena, and give us a picture of the outbreak the outbreak in that community? No, I don't think that should have been the message that I was trying to give or Becky was trying to give. It's a complex issue. Uh, we have uh, uh, a community in Covalo and we, and I'm sorry, in uh, Point Arena, and we have the Manchester Native American Reservation and their public health officer. Remember that the Native Americans are a separate nation and their public health officer is, a, is, is located in their clinic which is located in Santa Rosa. So what we've had to do is coordinate our efforts. When, when we found out about this case, it came through um, our looking at positives that we get in Mendocino County. So uh, the people who tested positive initially were within Mendocino County, and many of them are in Mendocino County still, but the majority of them are also part of the Rancheria down and their health, the people who are contracted to take care of their health and do their contact investigation, contact tracing, they employ a different group. And uh, so we want to be respectful of that. And it does require our um, respect and understanding and working together with the people in the rancheria, the leadership there, the people in their clinic. And it also involves uh, the state and the federal government because it is a different nation. And we try and respect that. And we're, I think the leadership is very cooperative right now. And I think the, because we're involving um, the folks at the tribal level as much as we possibly can, uh, I expect that they will be very cooperative as well. I see. So when you talked about issues of trust uh, with contact tracing, that was just a, a general observation? The, the trust that existed in Covalo from the work they've done before and that they've done through this is increasing. It was not a comparison. I'm sure there'll be a lot more trust that'll be developed out of this. I know we did have another uh, outbreak in Covalo in the springtime, I think. Um, and there was a lot of trust that was developed at that time with the help. I wasn't part of it, but right. I think that'll continue. Right. There was that at the very beginning of the of the epidemic or the pandemic, I think, in April or something. Covalo had to really figure out the communication uh, networks and partner with the state and the county. And, and so a lot of that work uh, was done then and those relationships were developed. So hopefully y'all are are really benefiting now at this stage of the pandemic from the work that was done earlier. So, OK, thank you for clarifying because. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Live and learn, and uh, we're getting better at this, I think, as as things move forward. Um, okay, and now, uh, before I open up the phone lines, I just want to clarify a little bit more about Point Arena, about the testing event that happened. Um, you talked about uh, the, te- the outbreak testing that had happened last week, and that uh, it needs to be redone. So can you get that message out to our listeners about what happened there and, and what people should do if they were part of that testing event, how they should go and get retested? Well, first of all, many, many, many people showed out for the te- turned out for the testing on Saturday, and that's an excellent thing. We got them tested. We brought the tests to the lab. Unfortunately, I think it was a night watchman who had to put it in a refrigerator, and it was that part was not done. And so those lab tests were left out when they should have been refrigerated. And what the lab is telling us is that they all came out negative, but it's not a reliable test. So we want to retest them. It's a frustration. It's a problem. On the other hand, I will say the good side is that we get to test them again. And that's what should happen in an outbreak situation. So we find out who is, who's actually gotten the bug. And you don't always find that within a day or two of finding the first positive. So we try and do multiple testing, but it was an unfortunate thing that is very unhappy. Nobody likes to have their nose swabbed and all that other stuff. But We're asking everybody to come out again. We're contacting those people again, and we're hopefully going to have 100% uh, repeat of of the ones that we did before, and we may get some more. And where and when is that testing? Becky, you can help me with that. My pleasure. Uh, It is tomorrow morning starting at 930 at the Point Arena Veterans Hall. So it's the exact same location that we had last week. Uh, And so we uh, are hosting it in that same place so that it's very easy for people to find. And again, we'll be starting at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Great. Okay, thank you for that. Oh, what a bummer. God. But they went and they ran all the tests anyway, even though it had been left out overnight. Yes. And I've seen that happen before with other clinical tests. And uh, oftentimes, they're fine and they're reliable. And we'll know it was reliable if we get 100% negative tests this week. And that's what we're hoping for. Okay. But we got to go with the science and the science doesn't make leaving it out overnight a reliable test. No. All right. Well, let's go ahead and open up the phone lines here. It's 707-895-2448. That's 895-2448. This is KZYX, and you're tuned in to the local coronavirus update. Uh, On Mondays and Wednesdays, we talk with uh, Dr. Drew Colfax, and on Fridays, we get to talk with Dr. Andy Corrin, who's the county public health officer, and get uh, a, a good official update on how Mendocino County is doing. So let's take our first call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, I hope I'm the only person who listened to the last hour who freaked out, but when we here on the South, we call ourselves the South Coast, even though the county is calling the South Coast from Mendocino Town to the Wallala River, we call ourselves the South Coast, which means from Irish Beach to Manchester, Point Arena, Anchor Bay, all the way down to Wallala. We are all one area. We shop at the same stores. We go to the same banks, the same gas station. We're all one community, even though we're several miles spread out from Irish Beach, which is north of Manchester, all the way to Guadalajara River. Our local paper calls us Mendonoma. And we heard there was an outbreak here. We all freaked out. So they had a test in Point Arena last Saturday at the VFW Hall. And on Sunday, they had testing at Redwood Coast Medical Service. 
your announcement did not say at first, last hour, which, so I freaked out because I had a test on Sunday. I called RCMS. They asked me to call you and clarify that it was not anyone who went to Redwood Coast Medical Service on Sunday because they send their tests somewhere different. Who knew? I did not know because the first test I had a few months ago was in Point Arena, and the second test I had was in Gualala. Am I still on the air? You are. Do you want to okay. wrap it up with a question? Uh, my Yeah. I want to also inform Dr. Cronin Conan that there's, it's called the Manchester Point Arena Reservation. There's actually two reservations there on either side of the river. So, you know, if there was more transparency for all of us, this... That's, it's really scary that it's so dysfunctional. It's very, very upsetting. And it wasn't anybody that went to RCMS for a test last Sunday. You should have clarified that last hour because I hope I'm not the only one that freaked out. But All right. Caller, others, thank you thank for you. calling. That's great. All right. You want to say anything about that? Well, yeah. First of all, thank you. Uh, it's a clarification that really needs to be made. Uh, this was a problem with the full set of samples that we took in Point Arena and did not have to do with the other samples. Um, so anyone who had their testing done um, in the, at the uh, clinic site, it was good. And so if you get uh, good results, they're reliable results. Now, any result can have false positives and negatives, but they won't go into the problem with lack of re refrigeration. That was an error. It was made on the part of our lab uh, partners in Richmond. Secondly, I want to apologize for not being as well-informed and as clear uh, in understanding uh, the geography of Mendonoma and the two different rancherias. That's because of my being uh, ignorant of that. And I will study up and learn more about it, and I thank Paula for informing me. All right. And if I can just add, for the caller, I really appreciate also, as Dr. Korn is saying, the clarification. Uh, there was additional testing in, in uh, Point Arena on Saturday through AB Med, that is not the same testing either. The testing that we are having to redo is the testing that was completed at the Point Arena Veterans Hall on Saturday morning last week. And so we are redoing that testing. And tomorrow morning at 9.30? Yes. At the Vets Hall in Point Arena. Okay, let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hello, I'm calling about saliva testing. Um, according to Dr. Colfax a while back, it does exist. Um, it's hard to get. And that if a bubble of people, a group, came together, they would get a saliva test. <laughs> and I wonder if you could speak to why it's not available, how it's different from the nasal swab, why it can't be more widely available. Uh, I... I won't get a nasal swab. I'm waiting for the saliva test, but um, it doesn't look like they're going to be available. Can you talk about that, please? All right. Thanks a lot, caller. Yeah, so that's a, an excellent question. <clears throat> um, the tests that are available at this point uh, have been paid for uh, by some by a uh, little bit of federal money has been kicked in, but mostly by the state. Uh, and we've got some other tests that were uh, contributed by UCSF, and we have actually paid for some testing 
through VRDL, the Richmond Labs, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? No. Okay, so I'll ask uh, in a second. I'll ask Becky to clarify which and where and that kind of thing. But let's go to the saliva tests. These are all new tests that are coming out from the ones that we offer to the ones that are saliva tests. There are others that can be self-administered with swabs in the nose. There are many different types of tests that are coming out. Remember, this is an illness that's only been known about for now nine and a little uh, nine months and a few days. There's a huge amount of scientific uh, research going into to making these uh, more available and more um, um, acceptable. There are some tests that are actually available that you can do in your uh, on your own, and the saliva tests are some of those. Uh, that can you you basically have a mailer that's sent out to you. You produce a specimen, and uh, and you send it back to the company, and they develop it and give you the results. And usually, I don't know what it takes to mail it back and forth, but uh, uh, I think they're saying that it takes them a day or two to give you the results. But that's a private um, a private uh, interaction that happens. It doesn't involve state governments or or others. Though it is possible that a state or a government or a locality or a school could purchase a bunch of them. Uh, one of the nice things I think you are alluding to with some of those tests, and, and it's a new technology that's being developed, is batch testing. And so if you do have, I think you mentioned the word cohort, if you have a cohort, or for example, it's being used and proposed in classrooms. If you wanted to do an entire classroom of, let's say, you know, 10 or 20 kids, you could do it, and they would run it as a batch, and it becomes less expensive. Now, if it's all negative, you can rely on that on a regular testing schedule that, well, this batch was negative. If there's a positive, then there has to be a rerun of the tests to find out who contributed the positive antigen. Now, that may be some corporations require retesting, recollection, and some maintain their specimens so they can do it right away and pinpoint it. Uh, I'm just beginning to investigate those uh, those tests for applications uh, in the county that people have asked about. And we want to be able to make reasonable recommendations. But there are online sources. If you if you look it up and want to do it at home and do a test of, of saliva, you can do that. All right. Let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Good afternoon. I'm sorry. I got I tuned in late, and before you end the program today. Could you say the numbers again? Yeah. So okay. for the warm line, for people who are feeling very stressed and would like to talk to... No, no, okay. no. I mean, I'm I mean the number of cases and um, oh, oh. active cases and... Okay, yes, what? I can. Okay, thank you. Well, I'll go through it quickly. Sorry, I got off on another tangent. Um, it's a lot of numbers. So, <laughs> <laughs> For the uh, total number of cases in Mendocino as of uh, last night, it's 971. Uh, of that, the Latinx community accounts for 612 or 63%. The people who are quarantined at this point are 241 and in isolation, 115. Hospitalized are nine people. Six of those are in the county. Three of those are not in the county. And three of them are uh, Latinx people. There are there's one person in the ICU who is also Latinx. Um, so our seven day 
average seven-day lag case rate is up to 12.86, 12.86. Does that answer your question, caller? Nope, she left. I think she took her answer okay. off the air. Um, and we did have one additional death this week. Yes, I should have mentioned that. I'm sorry. And that death was a 51-year-old white male who had been struggling with this disease over a month in uh, UC Davis, and he had complications of his lungs, of his heart, and of his kidneys. All right, and that brings our total of lost community members to 19. Yes. All right, let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hello, caller. Hi. Hi, this is Mark Yappel. Regarding the saliva tests, uh, they are offered by LabCorp. I believe they are covered by uh, Partnership Health Plan. Patients have them. You know, the problem with a lot of these antigen tests so that they're not terribly reliable. There's lots of false negatives and lots of false positives, and the PCRs are still the gold standard. So people doing these tests at home may get false positives, they may get false negatives. So I don't know how valuable they really are for anybody, but it, but LabCorp lab is doing them, and, and Partnership Health does pay for them. All right. Thanks, Dr. Apple. It's a very important insight. And, uh, you know, we do use antigen tests, but uh, we've been doing them under very strict circumstances and with the interpretation of what they mean. It's not just positive or negative, because in certain environments, a positive test really should be retested. And in other environments, a negative test should be retested. And it's not uh, recommended for people who have symptoms because of the uh, because of the false positives and false negatives. You're much more likely to get a false negative than a false positive though, right? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. It depends on, you know, what environment you're in. If you're, if you're in, a, in an environment which is uh, very, uh, very few food positives, then the relative incidence of false positives is increased. Okay, it's, uh, this is a lot of statistical mumbo-jumbo for most people. It took me a lot of time to, to understand it myself. If you're in an environment, uh, for an example, an emergency room where people are coming in and they're ill, then if an antigen test comes out positive, it's more reliable. Does that make sense? So in a different environment, it's interpreted differently. And that's why it's, it's a little you know, iffy to have a person get a test that's not, a, and no test is 100%. But we all want to do things, you know, in our own home. Right. Uh, but when there's a consequence, like whether you should quarantine yourself and your family, um, it's it's something we want as much reliability as we can. All right. And that's also why when you start to explain the ins and outs of epidemiological, you know, reporting and understanding, making assumptions and uh, making, you know, generalizations about any of this stuff is uh, probably not useful. It's good to ask the questions. All right. Let's take an, another call. Maybe this will be our last call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Am I on the air? You are live on the air. Yep. Thank you so much for everybody. I'm just calling to ask about the mask wearing because it's important to wear masks in this kind of pandemic. But I noticed every time I went shopping to the store and parents with kids, I would say five years old or four years old, 
or even babies, and they don't wear masks, but their parents are wearing masks. So don't you think if the kids got the virus when they go home, I don't think everybody will still wear masks at home. Then you think that the kids can affect the parents too? That's a good question. Um, I'll answer it a couple of different from a couple of different ways. Remember that masks are protecting the people around us. They're not okay. protecting us from getting infection as much as protecting the people around us from mm-hmm. catching something from us or from people who don't know that they're symptomatic or who don't know they have the infection because they're before they got any symptoms or they're carrying around with no symptoms. Um, With children, children tend to get less illness, but what's turning out in the literature now is more and more cases that there are more and more studies that are showing that they're actually very good spreaders of disease. So they'll get it, they don't get infected, but they do spread it. And the last bit of this answer is that it's just hard to keep a mask on a little kid. They're starting to learn. We're really trying to encourage them uh, in, in uh, the classrooms and, and in daycare and the older kids. It's much better. It's becoming part of the culture. And we want to encourage them to wear their masks. Um, but we also uh, understand that it's very difficult. And in the ones who are under two years old or even three years old, it can be detrimental for them to wear a mask. Well, thank you for the uh, answer. And um, that will be it for today from me. Thanks again for having this radio show. All right. Thank you so much for calling. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's update then. Thank you so much, Dr. Corin and Becky Emery and Sarah Duquette, who is helping in the, in the background there with the best background room of anyone I've ever seen. You have a sign that says, be the Leslie Nope of whatever you do. I think that is a brilliant, brilliant piece of advice. So thanks. Um, All right. And so thanks, everybody, for being part of this. And you'll be back next week, Dr. Corin, right? So the plan is, thank you. Okay, thanks a lot. Anything we missed that you want to make sure people take with them over the weekend? Uh, Sarah. Optum Serve's hours are changing. So Optum Serve is now open Sunday through Thursdays from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Okay, and how is that changing? What was it before? It did not involve Sundays, and we moved it to Sunday. I'm sorry, go ahead, Sarah. Previously, it was Tuesday through Saturday, and now it's Sunday through Thursday. Okay, so no Saturdays. Don't head down there for a walk-in on a Saturday. All right, thank you all so much for all the work you're doing in the county and for continually and reliably getting the information out uh, on these Friday updates. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. And thanks to everybody who called in. We'll be back on Monday with Dr. Drew Colfax, who is not a county employee, just to clarify that. We do talk with the county public health officer on Friday, but Dr. Drew Colfax is uh, he is a doctor, and he works at the emergency room, but he speaks for himself, and we are very glad that he does because the information that he brings on Mondays and Wednesday afternoons has been very, very helpful as we've made our way through this pandemic. And from that last answer about epidemiology, and uh, positivity and false not negatives and false positives it's you know it's none of this stuff is obvious none of it's easy and it's really good to have uh, reliable health practitioners helping us through it
You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ, Mendocino County, Public Broadcasting, in Philo, California. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.